Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I've Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Will. Yes, good to have you. Uh, Mike, we are uh, quite well into summer now, and as I was reminding my kids, they're about third of the way through. And uh, we've had some spells of serious heat, but but also some really nice weather. But just interesting, I don't think I've ever asked you, do you have a favorite season that you enjoy? I think I I like one of the things I love about being here is I like all the seasons. Mm. There are things I like about each season, probably some things I don't like about each season. Right, right. But it changes relatively. The variety quickly. is nice. Apart from winter, which takes up statistically ninety percent of the Iowa <laughs> calendar. Okay, maybe yeah. not ninety percent, but the other ten percent is road construction. Yes. It's gonna be one of the winter or road construction season. Yes, yes. Well, we love Iowa, I have to say. So uh, we're continuing our walk through the life of Joseph, and really the narrative is picking up steam. Last week we saw Joseph go from this kind of rags to riches uh, moment, and this week we see a twist in the story as we actually pick back up a, a subplot first seen in chapter 37. And you'll remember there, it's where the, the, you know his brothers sell him into slavery, and they lie to their dad uh, about Joseph's death. And so this week we see Joseph and his brothers kind of thrown back in the mix together and as Joseph's brothers visit Egypt in search of food. And so in Genesis 42, Joseph's brothers have to face up to their dark past. And I have to say, Mike, I thought it was so creative. You used this passage to, to help us kind of um, navigate practically how do we face up to our own dark past and the dark chapters that we have in our past. And you, you had kind of four steps here. We're not going to have time to get through all of them, but you know, there's first step of facing up to those chapters in our lives, of owning those chapters in our lives, of taking them to the cross, and then of using them uh, to praise God for his amazing love and forgiveness in the midst of those. So I want to touch on a couple of those today. First off, um, facing up to our past. And like in a lot of things that are challenging, I think the first step can be the hardest. Mm-hmm. I think often we'd really want to bury those things and forget about them more so than than uh, face up to them. So, how would you counsel folks through that? How they how do they even begin that that kind of journey? I think you name it well. Will the first step typically is the hardest one to take mm. to, to get past just the uh, initiative to do nothing about it and to ignore it. To take that first step, a lot can happen after that, but that's a challenging one to do. I think one of the things that is really inspiring for me to take a step like that is a passage in the Bible like this one. Mm. Uh, You get in chapter 42, the spotlight kind of turns a little bit off of Joseph and onto his brothers, and we see what these guys have been living like for 22 years. Right. 22 years. I look at a passage like this and think, 
I don't want to do life like that. For 22 years, what we see going on with these guys is they are just riddled with guilt. And it's not always on the surface. A lot of times we see it underneath, and it's just coming out in a lot of different ways in the, their desire not to go to Egypt. Think about the scenario. Famine. They're hungry. They've got no food. Plenty of food in Egypt. Mm. They don't want to go there. Right. Why? Well, it's guilt. They still got this guilt. Oh, what we did back then, what we did back then, it, it doesn't go away. And we think, do we want to live like that? Uh, it, it, it's not the exact situation for us, but those same feelings are there with something we've done in the past. Well, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to revisit that. Mm. Here we see these guys filtered most of their life through the lens of guilt. They were seeing and, and attributing anything bad that happened in their life, well, it had to be because of what we did back then. Mm. So it was just constantly plaguing them and going and altering their life. And I guess I'd say the first thing to do to get the inertia to say, well, I want to deal with this, is trusting that God wants life to be better for us than that. Mm-hmm. To constantly be haunted by by something that has been done in the past, there's a better way. And I think it's helpful to think, too, the only way out is through. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that play out in a lot of different scenarios in life. Example, so a few months ago, I, I got a sore tooth, right? Mm-hmm. And what do I think? I'm like, ah, not a big deal, not a big deal. Do nothing about it, do nothing about it. And I'm just going to push through it, push through it, push through it. Did it ever get better? Mm. Well, no. Right. Right. Well, I have, it got worse. It doesn't just go away. Time doesn't make things go away. It doesn't make things disappear. It's not going to heal without intervention. And we see that play out in a lot of different areas in life. It's really true with our inner lives, too. There needs to be some kind of um, intervention in that way. So, as we see in this passage, something it takes courage to take that first step. Easier not to. Mm. Takes faith. And I would encourage us all to remember who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? We, when we look at it, well, we know about God. We know about his goodness. We know that he's trustworthy. So creating a space and saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to go into some hard, difficult places because I trust that, you, that you're good and that you will walk me walk me through it. Mm. I think that's so helpful. I, you know, Mike. I, you know, the way sometimes maybe doesn't explicitly say something in the Bible within a story, but you, you kind of have your suspicions. And I wonder about Moses being called back to Egypt, and wonder if he had the same kind of thing of thinking. I mean, he murdered somebody there. You know, mm. that's a dark chapter in his his yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder. I mean, I know he had his his uh, reasons why. Like, yeah, you've got the wrong guy. But I wonder if that was kind of caught up in that too, where actually to proceed into what God had for him and the enormous plan for mm-hmm. history of Israel, um, that he uh, he needed to go through this. He needed to go back and face that dark. And who knows, maybe he even, when he was back there, even saw the place that I don't know, but there's no doubt that that place would have held that for him. Um, but yet to step into obedience and probably, you know, one of the most remarkable things that God called anybody to do, he had to go through that. Yep. He had to face up to that. 
And, um, but again, you know, the presence of God being reassured of his presence in it, like we don't do that alone. You know, we don't face up to those things alone. Um, he doesn't just put us, take us there just to kind of put our face in it again and say, yep, you're, you know, there's actually, that's a good distinction. Will I, I would agree that certainly Moses is another good example before God uses him powerfully, he needs to go back and Mm. face his past. Mm -hmm. That is God saying to us, is there some unfinished business in our past that we need to be able to to work through in order to be fully the people that he's designed us to be? The the maybe one disclaimer that I would add to that is kind of along the lines that you've mentioned. If you have already been forgiven for something, you don't have to go back and ask for forgiveness again and again and again and again and again. Right. We, we believe the forgiveness is something that he's done. He forgives, he moves on, and he, he forgets about that. We don't have to constantly be re-asking for forgiveness that he's, for some things that he has already forgiven. Mm. But if we haven't gone there, let's go there. Yes, we need to. What about, uh, you know, because there might be some people listening who say, like, I feel like I've done that, but I just can't mentally or emotionally let it go. You know, mm. um, I, I believe that, uh, you know, I'm forgiven, but it's just hard to really fully accept that, and the thoughts keep coming back to me about it. And and often when we we've done something, or maybe if you know somebody else, you know the practical consequences live on. You know, just because God has forgiven you, and maybe somebody else has forgiven you, doesn't mean that the consequences you may live with those for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you navigate that um, and live actually in the light of the forgiveness? I think one of the hardest things about forgiveness is God forgives and forgets. We can forgive, but not really forget. Mm -hmm. Um, God is able, I think, to let go in some ways that we aren't able to. So, yeah, it it is hard. We're not just a a computer where we can just erase that data point. Mm -hmm. No, it's still there. We still have those memories. So what, what do we do with that? For me, I think that gets into even with this passage, what we see is... Flip that, mm. and, and you can take that, and instead of something that could be used like with the guilt that could be used to really weigh us down, flip it and turn it into something where we praise God for it. Mm. When those feelings come back, when we feel guilty again, when I know I've been forgiven, but I'm you know kind of wondering with that, go back to God's promises. You know the one First John one right eight, eight and nine. If you confess your sins, God mm. is faithful. He is just. He has forgiven from all unrighteousness, we go back to the promises of God, turn it around, and it becomes something where we praise him. Mm. And thank you, God. I'm going to praise you for that. I'm going to worship for you for that. And the more that we're able to flip it and turn it around, the less frequent the guilt creeps up in us because we turn it into praise. Right. Yeah, I love that. It kind of leads me on to another question. And this might seem like an obvious question, Mike, but you, you talked about taking our guilt to the cross. And um, just wondering if you could walk us through uh, how does Jesus' death and resurrection deal with our guilt? I mean, because not that I'm saying it's like a mental thing where if you just explain that, people are like, ah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I got it, Mike. I'm good, you know. But I do think if if, if we're waking up and, and still feeling that sense of guilt, I think another way is actually reminding ourselves of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So um, when you talk about taking our guilt to the cross, what, mm-hmm. what are you really talking about there? 
Yeah, there's something in us that we can see comes out in a lot of different ways. We have kind of this innate sense of justice. Mm. When something's not right, when somebody's been wrong, there's something in us that's like, hmm, don't, don't like that. Something's right. wrong with that. And that's true for us individually as well. I think when we sin, when we do something that we shouldn't do, there is some innate sense of justice that turns inward on us, that there is a price that needs to be paid for that. Mm -hmm. And so that can come in, and that would be where the guilt comes in, and some of the guilt is justified. Sometimes we feel guilty because we are guilty. Right. Uh, So the beautiful thing, um, probably the most beautiful thing about Christianity, there is not another religion on this planet that has atonement that has been provided Mm. for us. And the key theological words that, w- that would be used for substitutionary atonement is really mm. the heart of the cross and what Jesus did. He's not saying what we did was fine. Mm-hmm. No, nowhere do we just ignore it. He's saying it, it, was, it was bad. It was wrong. Mm. Justice needs to be served. That's why he came. That's why he did what he did. Jesus didn't come to earth just to teach. Would have been mm-hmm. a little easier for him, right? Hey, here's some right. good truths. I want to give you some some teachings. Right. He came because justice needed to be satisfied. There is a cost for the evil, and so he is our substitute. Mm. He did that, and he took that on himself on the cross so that we don't have to. Mm. And then for me, that's the why do we do the things we do? Well, we're filled with gratitude, Mm. Not guilt. Guilt guilt gets replaced by gratitude when we really understand that Jesus willingly and freely did that for us. Guilt can go and we just, man, thank you, Lord, that you get care enough about me to be able to do that. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, actually, you know, living beyond our guilt and and moving into gratitude. What does that look like, um, you know, as as a motivation for following after Christ? You know, because some people do uh, sometimes motivate themselves out of guilt, I think. You know, well, I, sh- I should be a better mm-hmm. Christian because, you know, or I'm, I'm going to really show Jesus that I can, I can do, I've really changed or I'm going to show others. And they, they are motivated by a sense of guilt. So w- what do you feel like, it, what's the difference there, being motivated by guilt, motivated by gratitude? Yeah, which one of those ways would you want to do life? Right. Right. And <laughs> yeah. when, when you look at it objectively, be like, man, clearly I would like to live life out of gratitude rather than mm. live life out of guilt. Um, it's a really easy choice, but I think we just slide into one, and it's easy to slide into guilt as mm-hmm. a motivator, but if we can maybe step back, and maybe that's where you're at right now, to say, well, man, I don't, that's not the motivator that God wants me to be able to have. His way is so much better. How can I shift from having guilt be my primary motivator to having gratitude be my primary motivator and that's really it's not that complicated Mm. it's being honest that we have need yes being honest and owning up and facing the things that we've done and then recognizing what he's done for us and then it does shift from guilt to gratitude much better way to do life yeah sure is well, Mike, thank you again for your time and yeah, this whole series. Uh, I feel like each chapter has kind of opened up new things for us to explore and uh, yeah, just appreciate that they're always so practical uh, as well. I actually want to close just with uh, uh, just a few lines from one of my favorite hymns. Uh, this is actually written by fellow Irishman, uh, 
number of years ago. Uh, the hymn's called Before the Throne of God Above, and, and uh, this is just from some of the verses. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. And when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So yeah, if you've never heard that hymn before, you should check it out. It's pretty powerful. So thank you for listening today. Again, for more opportunities to grow in your faith and to check out our, just check out our Ridge University page on our church website, ridgelife.org. So thanks again for joining. We hope you join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.